Welcome to One Cause Church. Here is another inspirational message from Senior Pastor Eric Holler. Hebrews chapter 4. Let's go ahead and get into the Word. I'm sorry that you had to hear that tonight, but I'm kind of glad I brought it to you anyway. I got a good laugh out of it. My wife is back. Yes, Heather Jo Holler is here on American soil, safe and sound. It's so good to see you. And tomorrow, her and I will celebrate 21 years of marriage. I, I was a little nervous letting her go to Europe. I thought, will she come back? And she did. I think it was more for the kids than me, but I like to pretend. And I want to say happy anniversary to Tawana and Steve. We need to pray for Steve tonight. They, uh, Monday, 41 years they celebrated. Anybody else have an anniversary this month? Well, they're not even here. We're not going to celebrate them if they're not in church. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> How many years have your mom and dad been married? 26 years. Awesome. Praise God. Anybody else that I'm missing? Oh, yes. Tommy and Linda. 42 Tuesday, this past Tuesday, this coming Tuesday, 42 years. Wow, Everett, five years when? The 26th, all right, cool. A happy anniversary to all of you, wonderful. Uh, we're in Hebrews, did I say Hebrews 4? Hebrews chapter 4, let's go to verse 11. Uh, yes, we need to pray for Steve. I do want to give a good report, Miss Velma, you know that she... Uh, the last couple of years has had some health issues, and uh, they, had, they had found cancer at one point, but were able to remove that cancer. So she went for a checkup today, uh, a, you know, routine checkup, and the doctor said, you don't need to come see me for three years. You're cancer-free. So praise God. We are rejoicing. And we're thanking God for that. Um, and if you, at this, anybody here uh, in need of healing or you know someone right now that is in need, just raise your hand where you're at. I want to pray. Father, we thank you right now. Lord, we, we thank you that you're the God who heals us. We thank you you're the God who has healed us because the Scripture says by his stripes we were healed. Hallelujah. And if we were, then we are. Hallelujah. And we thank you for that. Thank you that Steve is right now receiving the fullness of what Jesus paid for. His body was broken, so Steve's would be healed. And all these here tonight whose hands are up, Lord, we thank you that you take sickness and disease far from them in Jesus' name. We thank you, Father God that you sent your word and you healed them and you delivered them from their destructions. We thank you for that covenant of healing, Lord. In the very same afternoon that your blood, your blood washed away our sins, your body was broken for our healing. We thank you for that, God. And Lord, we will bless the Lord and we will remember his benefits, who forgives all our iniquities, who heals all of our disease, who redeems our life from destruction. Hallelujah. We bless you. Thank you, our healing God. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 11. Hebrews 4, 11. Let us therefore be diligent. Tell somebody, be, turn to somebody and say, be diligent. I'm going to turn to somebody else. Tell them, be diligent. To do what? To enter that rest. To in, let us be diligent to enter that rest lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. And we saw what the example of disobedience was. It was about those who, who were in, remember they sent the 12 spies to spy out the land? Moses sent those guys in. 
despite the land that God had already promised them as an inheritance, brought them out by miraculous signs and wonders out of Egypt, out from under the power of Pharaoh and that Egyptian regime, brought them out and set them free, hallelujah, and was bringing them into a land of promise. And they sent the spies, and 10 of those spies came back with a bad report saying, we cannot do it. Caleb and Joshua said, we can and we must do it at once. We cannot stand here and talk ourselves out of this. So this is, this is what this is saying. That, and that land meant rest for them. That promise meant rest for them. No longer would they be under the oppression of slavery and, and where they were, they were in so much lack there for 400 years. And the Egyptians were hard on them, hard on them, back-breaking kind of everyday work, and then brought them out into the wilderness to the land of, of just enough where God was providing their needs, and, but just kind of on a survival basis. But he was taking them to the land of more than enough, the land of promise, all right? Now, I want you to think about this for a moment, that God worked many miracles for the, for the children of Israel in, uh, coming out of Egypt. And even when they were out in the wilderness all those years, God worked many miracles providing food and healing and water, uh, uh, all those kinds of things for them and showed them signs and wonders, the splitting of the Red Sea and all that. But when they got over into the promised land, my family, the miracles stopped. So miracles are not the apex of your experience with God, though they are wonderful, and we love miracles. But they, when they got over into that land of promise, you know what they did? They sowed in that land. They sowed in that land, and then they reaped the crops. They reaped the harvest of that land. God brings miracles. He has signs and wonders. But remember what these things are for, these, these miracles. And they, they all come by His own choosing, right? So we cannot predict that a miracle will happen, we just know absolutely that they do. We can't predict when it will happen, all right? Because the Scripture says those are in God's power. But we do know this, that when we walk by faith, we win. We know that when we apply the Word of God into our situation, into our life, we will overcome every time. That faith is the victory that has overcome the world, all right? Whoever's born of God. So we do know those things, and this is where God is trying to take us to that everyday walk of faith, because that there is the apex of our relationship with God. That's the zenith. That's, the, that's where He wants us, right? In the land of faith, living by faith, talking by faith, speaking by faith, thinking by faith. Are you hearing me? All right? Um, so He was bringing them there, but they weren't ready to go there. They were satisfied, apparently, with just getting handouts from God called miracle provision. But he wanted to take them to the place where they would take ownership, they would possess the land, they would sow, they would do it, all right, and reap the benefits of it. But he said, so we got to be diligent to enter that rest. Remember, he talked about that Joshua brought them into a rest, but that wasn't the ultimate rest. The ultimate rest is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Christ died for our sins, he was buried, he rose again the third day, according to the Scriptures. Amen. That's the rest that we enter into, and the entrance into that rest is our faith in that message. Our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ is what brings us into that rest. But I know I want you to heed this warning tonight, all right? Heed this, this admonition from God that we have to be diligent to enter. Now, you find that there is an assault, a continual assault on your faith in God. Continual assault. So you're going to have to be diligent to Get in there and stay in that rest, to stay there, stay in that place of promise, stay in that place of what God has known. Here's, 
I think this is interesting. This is how it happens. I mean, think about this. The ten spies that, that gave, came back with an evil report, what they did was they said what they saw. We saw giants there. We saw this. We saw fortified cities. We saw these things. But Joshua and Caleb said what God said. That separated them from everybody else. Everybody else was looking at the circumstances. But Joshua and Caleb said, no, we have a word from God. So because he has said it, then we can have it. He has said it, then we can have it. That's why we need to go up at once. Don't get caught up in, in, in the difficulty. Don't get, get caught up in, in the fight that it's going to take. God is on our side. They're going to be our bread. All right? This is ours. We just got to go get it. That's what they're saying. And those 10 spies and all the unbelieving generation died without ever receiving the promise, but Joshua and Caleb obtained that promise. And I want you to listen to Joshua's final words to Israel in, Je in uh, Joshua chapter 23 and verse 14. This is a, one of the most powerful verses in the Old Testament. Beautiful. He says, Behold, this day I am going the way of all the earth, and you know in all your hearts and in all your souls that not one thing has failed of all the good things which the Lord your God spoke concerning you. All have come to pass for you. Not one word of them has failed. Wow. In other words, he's saying if it didn't happen, it wasn't his fault. It was our fault. Because none of his words failed. Everything that God said would come to pass has come to pass. And I want you to get that in your heart and to be diligent with that, with that truth. If God would do it for them, my family, He'll certainly do it for you. Because the covenant they had had a glory that was passing away. But the covenant that you have with Him is a better covenant. It's a glory that excels. Hallelujah. And you can depend on what God has said and you can believe that what He has said, it will absolutely come to pass. Not one word of His promise will fail for you. What will you believe? What we because I know the circumstances many times are glaring at you, and they are all resistant to what God has said, and they seem very contrary. You say what God has said, but everything around you is saying it ain't true. God says you are able, but everything around you tells you you're not able. This can't happen. It's too late. It's over. Well, it's not over. As long as God is on that throne, it's never over. There is always hope. I, I held a baby today in my arms. I held a baby today in my arms that just last week, nine, ten days ago, she was born dead, born without a heartbeat our, of our, our pastors, our Spanish pastors, Chris and Mary Lou. And I'm holding her, looking at her, hearing that the doctor said, we didn't even know if we could resuscitate this baby. We weren't sure if she would make it, but she did. And I believe, and he was telling Chris and Mary Lou, I believe that God did something marvelous for you too. He said, I don't have any other words for it. I just believe that God did something marvelous for you. And that baby, Leilani Ray, it was going to be Grace, Leilani Ray, after they did all the testing, there is not one thing wrong with that child today. She is perfectly, perfectly whole. Matter of fact, the doctor said, usually when a baby goes through something like this, there's always something negative that lingers, some effect from, she, he said, your baby has none of those things. And I held that perfectly healthy, strong baby. Well, 10 years ago, they were it. It was, I mean, 10 days ago, it was chaos. I'm 
I'm here to say that God is a miracle-working God. He's a life-giving God. And what He says, He will do. And what He speaks, He will make it good. Amen. Look at verse 12 of Hebrews 4. For the Word of God. Listen to that. Let us be diligent to enter into that rest. And we don't fall after the same example of unbelief for the Word of God. Very connected. This is how you're going to stay diligent to enter this rest. All right? For the Word of God is, what? Living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit, and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Wow, interesting. The Word has a power in it. The Word has a solution. The Word has an answer. The Word is able to to touch every dimension of man. All right? It's for every dimension. That is the spirit, the soul, and the body. Say this with me. I am a spirit. I possess a soul. I live in a body, all right? The real you, you can't see. The real you, you can't see because the real you looks like Jesus. Glory to God. Now, we talk this flesh into, we, this, we, work, we have to work that truth out in this flesh. That's working out your salvation. That's what the Scripture teaches us, working it out. We don't work for it. <laughs> he works for it. We work it out, right? We work that truth out into, make this flesh obey and submit to who we really are. All right, you got that? I am a spirit. I possess a soul, which is made up of your mind, will, and emotions, your imaginations and thoughts, and you possess this body. Thank God the body's not everything to us. All right? But, so the Word of God is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. Now, we've talked about this before, but we must revisit this again so that we, because I want to stay on this truth about that diligence to enter the rest. It has very much to do with the Word of God and its effect and its place in your life, all right? I want to, let's go over to John chapter 12 for just a moment. Everybody all right? The Word, the Word of God is living and probably sharper than any two-edged. If you look the word two-edged up in the Greek, it means twice spoken. Say twice spoken. It's sharper than any, more powerful than any, twice spoken word, all right? And we're going to see why it says it like that. John chapter 12 and verse uh, 48, Jesus speaking, and he says, he who rejects me and does not receive my words has that which judges him. The word that I have spoken will judge him in the last day. Verse 49, for I have not spoken on my own authority, but the father who sent me gave me a command what I should say and what I should speak. So you understand what Jesus is saying here? He submitted to the Father, isn't he? When he came to this earth, he came totally submitted to the will of God, and he did not open his mouth unless he had heard the Father say it first. He says, he tells me what to say. He's the one telling me what to speak, and I'm fully under his, I'm not here on my own authority. All right, verse 50, and I know that his command is everlasting life. Therefore, whatever I speak, just as the Father has told me, so I speak. All right, so Jesus didn't come out down here with his, his own agenda, just saying whatever he wanted. He was clo- in close communication with the Father, and he did not say anything unless the Father had first said it. You got that? All right. Now, let's go over to John chapter uh, 14 
And Jesus reiterates this thought again in verse 10. Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the works. That's good. So Jesus is fully submitted to the Father. Let's go now to John 14, 26. And now he's going he's gonna to shift gears a bit and talk about the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all the things that I said to you. Oh, this is powerful. Now watch this. Uh, let's go over to John 16. Jesus speaking of the Spirit again in verse 13. However, when He, the Spirit of truth, has come, He will guide you into all truth. Isn't that a beautiful thought? The Spirit of God will guide you into all truth. How many of you think it's important to be led by the Spirit then? You be led by the Spirit, you'll never live a lie. Hallelujah. He will guide you into all truth, for He will not speak on His own authority. Oh, but whatever He hears, He will speak. He will tell you things to come. Verse 14, He will glorify Me, for He'll take of what is Mine and declare it to you. Wow, this is interesting, isn't it? Okay, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, all God, and yet there is a submission in this Godhead. All right? The Son submits Himself to the Father. The Father speaks. The Son submits to the Father, and then He speaks. Then the Holy Spirit has His ears open to hear what the Son says. This is awesome. So then when the Holy Spirit hears what the Son says, then the Holy Spirit speaks. So God is one, and yet He is three. He is one, and yet He is three. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, three persons. One, two, three. We have one, two, three. One, two, three. Father, Son, Holy Spirit witnesses to the Word. Witnesses to what is spoken. All right? That's important because Jesus taught us something in Matthew chapter 18. I'm, I'm, if I'm going too fast, get the podcast. All right? got to keep going. John, Matthew 18, sorry, uh, verse 16. But if he will not hear, Jesus is speaking, take with you one or two more that by the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. All right? By the mouth of two. Now, where did Jesus get this? Well, He's actually quoting the very first place that this phrase, by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word may be established, out of Deuteronomy in chapter 19. Let's go there for a moment. Deuteronomy chapter 19 and verse, is it 15? 15? Is that right? Okay. Oh, yeah, there it is. One witness shall not rise against a man concerning any iniquity or any sin that he commits. Did you see that? Just because one guy saw you do it doesn't mean he has a case. That's what it's saying. One witness shall not rise against a man concerning any iniquity or any sin that he commits. By the mouth of two or three witnesses, the matter shall be established. And it's like that was a precedent-setting moment for a word becoming established, all right? The two, two or three witnesses, then it's, we've got evidence here. This, this is tried and true, okay? You see this? And then Jesus says this, and Paul even later says it over in Corinthians, uses the same phraseology. He says, uh, I'm coming to you a second of time, a second time again uh, by the mouth of two or three witnesses. Every word may be established. Interesting. Interesting, isn't it? Listen, to, I want to just read you the amplified version of this. I didn't give this to you, uh, uh, David. Um, Deuteronomy says, One witness shall not prevail against a man for any crime or any wrong in connection with any sin he commits. Only on the testimony of two or three witnesses shall a charge be established. Oh, man, this, is, this will help you tonight. Let me ask you something. What has God said about your sin? What has He said about your sin? He has said, Christ 
died for your sins. He has said that sin shall not have dominion over you. You're not under law, you're under grace. He has washed away all of our sins. He is the once for all sacrifice for all the sins of man. Everybody agree with that? This is what God has said. Now listen to me. Who has said this? The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. My family, the matter's established. The matter's established. The devil, however, is just one. He has no case. He has no case on any sin that you've committed because Scripture says one, one, cannot, one cannot establish it. One can't bring a charge. We've got to have two or three witnesses, and we already have three witnesses that say you're free. We already have three witnesses that say you're holy, you're above reproach. So who are you going to believe? Who are you going to believe in this? Are you going to believe the established word or, or the guy who doesn't even have a case? Oh, boy. David says something interesting in Psalm chapter, uh, Psalm chapter 119, verse 89. Psalm 119, 89, it says, Forever, O Lord, your word is established or settled in where? In heaven. Forever, O Lord, your word is settled or established in heaven. Now, we know that the word of God is not completely settled here on earth. <laughs> huh? But it is in heaven. That's why we have this hope, right? About heaven. Heaven is a wonderful place filled with... You remember that song? I'm by myself on that one. Glory and grace. I want to see my Savior's face because heaven is a wonderful place. I want to go there. Heaven is a wonderful place filled with... Okay. All right. So, the song we used to sing when we were kids. You think about heaven, you think about all of its glory. And what is it that heaven, about heaven... That gets us all excited. What is it about heaven that we look forward to? Yeah, I'm, of course, seeing God and seeing Jesus and the one who died for our sins and seeing a lot of our heroes. But what is it about heaven that is so attractive? What else? What else could it be? There's no pain there. There's no sickness. There's no disease. There's no lack. There's no death. There's no depression. There's, there's none of that stuff exists there. None of it is there. None of it is there. None of it is. Hey, the Word of God is the will of God. So wherever the Word of God is established, the will of God is accomplished. So heaven is the pattern. Do you see this? So the, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, the Word from God in heaven is completely established. That why, that's why there is absolutely everlasting life. But what about this earth here? What's going on here? That's great. But how do we get that appropriated here? Because Jesus said we need to pray this crazy, wild prayer. It sounds like this. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Well, God, that's a tall order. That's a tall order because the earth, <clears throat> there's a lot of things going on here. We hope to God are not going on in heaven, right? We're happy that they're not going on in heaven. So what's going to happen? Oh, wait a second. What God do about this earth? How did he set up this system? He put us in charge. Haven't we done a marvelous job with planet Earth? Thank you, Adam, for getting us all started off on the wrong foot. By the way, ladies, you started it. Adam just got all the blame for it. He was right there. He was right there. So, now it's important then, since God put the earth in our, our care, and by the way, he actually sees the church as the authority over this earth because we're the body of his son. 
As a matter of fact, the Scripture has this, this amazing view of us. As He is, so are we in this world. Wow. Okay? So God's building His church. He's doing His business. Therefore, His authority is working in the earth through the church. Are you catching that? So then He needs some witnesses here on the earth. We know His Word's established in heaven, but if it's going to be established on the earth, then He needs you to come into agreement with His Word. This is what gives the sword of the Word of God the two-edge, the double edge. It's a two-edged sword. God has spoken. He gives that one edge, but you speak, and it gives it the other edge. And at that moment, it becomes the highest authority in the earth. There is no other word that's more powerful. There is no word that is more living and sharper than that word right there. That's why it does not matter what men say. If you come into agreement with Almighty God, it trumps every other word. And when you get His word established here, then we get to see days of heaven on the earth. We get to experience those heavenly moments, God's ultimate will for our lives. Wow. So this says we got to be diligent to enter that rest for the Word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any twice-spoken word. We cannot expect to enjoy the life of God and keep our mouths shut. We cannot just be silent. We have to open up our mouths and be witnesses to this word, hallelujah, so that we can experience all of its glory and splendor and power in the earth. That's good preaching. It's better preaching than your amen, but I'm going I'm to stick with you tonight. Listen to this. Let's back up a little bit to Hebrews 4, uh, 2 for a moment. David, I'm sorry I didn't give you this. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 2 and 3 for just a moment. Is this Okay. I hope, this is, I hope this is helping you tonight because the Scripture says, who is he who brings a, a charge against God's elect? It's God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is risen from the dead and ascended and seated at the right hand of God. But nobody has any charge against you because you're not who you used to be. You're not who you were. Now listen to this. This is so good. For indeed, verse 2 of 4, for indeed the gospel was preached to us as well as to them, but the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. You see that? So the word of God, which is this all-powerful word, it comes to people, but if they don't believe it, how do, we prove, how do they prove they believe it? They speak it. They speak that word. The scripture says that the spirit of faith, I believed, and therefore I spoke. We also believe and therefore speak. Are you hearing me? Faith has a voice, your voice. You got to speak your faith, all right? It didn't profit them because it wasn't mixed with faith. This all-powerful word, and nobody would come into agreement with it. Nobody would believe it. They wouldn't declare it. They just declared all the circumstances, all the reasons why they couldn't, all the reasons why it was too hard. Are you hearing me tonight? I don't care how difficult your situation, I mean, I care about you, but I don't care about how difficult your situation is, because I'm here to tell you that God is greater than your situation. His word is more powerful, and if you'll agree with it tonight, then there is no situation that can stop you. There is no circumstance that can keep you down. All right? You win. You're the stuff in the earth. Hallelujah. For we who have believed do enter that rest. You believe with your heart, confess with your mouth. Believe in your heart, God raised from the dead. You confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus. Are you seeing this? 
Now listen to this. Let's go back to 12. For the Word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. That verse is going to help bring a lot of comfort to you tonight. How many have ever thought, I mean, we're all family here tonight. How many have ever thought a thought that was not a godly thought? Good. You ever find that that thought crossed your mind at the most inconvenient times? For instance, oh, Jesus, worshiping Jesus in church, and all of a sudden, like, oh, my God. Right? Seems to be in that holy moment, right? And then a contrary thought, a perverse thought, whatever comes across your mind, an unkind thought towards somebody or whatever, it comes across your mind, and what, what happens? We start this inner turmoil, right? We start thinking, oh, my God, I, I can't worship you, Jesus. Look, at, look what I'm thinking. I got, right? I, right? So we start this inner turmoil. Why? Because we are identifying with ourselves by what we think here. When the heart is thinking a different thought. So let me say this. If evil thoughts did not bother you, then we do have a heart problem. All right? But the fact that they do bother you, the fact that you struggle and you strive and you fight, right, tells you your heart and your mind are thinking two different thoughts. Because what he did to your heart was made it pure by his blood. He took away your sins. Hallelujah. He made you a new creation in Christ Jesus. But you've got to stop identifying yourself with what happens right here between these ears. All right? Because there's some funky stuff we've got to work out. All right? And you can change the way you think. You don't have to be like these victims that are out there going, I can't help the way I think. Yeah, you better help the way you think. I just say what's on my mind. We would appreciate if you'd stop saying what's on your mind. Get control of yourself. Huh? And God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. You know what that word sound mind means? Self-control. Huh? A sound mind, which means I'm responsible for what I think. If a thought comes, I don't have to dwell on it. Those thoughts come, you don't have to dwell on those things. You say, no, I'm casting down every thought, every imagination, every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. I choose to dwell on the knowledge of God. I reject that thought. Just because that thought came did not mean that came from you. Don't forget, there is a devil. And remember what he said? He offered a new thought to Adam and Eve. Has God said? Oh, never thought about it like that. Yeah, I know. But now you're thinking about it. Right? That, Adam should have shut him up right there. Don't talk to my wife like that. Right? He should have put his hand around the throat of that serpent and thrown him out of the garden. He had every authority to do it. He was, he was the man in charge. Should have done it. But he didn't. Why? Because he started dwelling on the thought. Started dwelling on the thought. Well, you discard those things. You just discard them. And it's going to happen. You can change the way you think by what's coming out of your mouth. All right? Are you hearing me? Okay. Now, Listen to this. This is what's good news. Your heavenly Father 
sees past this. Your heavenly Father sees past your failures. He sees past your faults. He looks right into your heart. He says, I, I know who you really are. I know who you really are. And isn't that the struggle with us sometimes? Because sometimes we go, I guess the real me is a pervert. I guess the real me is weak. I guess the real me, I'm, I'm, I'm just not that good after all. Because I keep falling and I keep failing. I keep thinking these thoughts. I guess I'm, it's not real. And God's saying, no, 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 no. None of that's you. I'm looking. The, the fact that you're saying that, the fact that you're, that's the real you talking now. That's the real you talking. The one who's, who's saying, this is not right. Because your heart knows what's right. That inner man, the spirit man, the redeemed man knows what's right. You just don't know how to say it right. But I'm reading your thoughts of, the, of your heart. I'm looking at the intention of your heart. All right? If somebody, you know, tells you, oh, I know who you really are. You can play that Christian game, but I know who you really are. <laughs> right? But when God says, I know who you really are, that's not to bring you down. Huh? He's to tell you, I know who you really are. Chill. Huh? I know who you really are. You're my child. Inside of you is, I put my spirit on the inside of you that cries out, Abba, Father. Hmm? That hates evil. That hates sin. That hates displeasing God. That hates wrongdoing. Hates all those things. That's the person I'm looking at. That's the real you. That's who I know. And if you'll get your heavenly Father's understanding on this, and watch this, verse 13, and there is no creature hidden from His sight. Now listen, that can sound like a scary thing, right? And if you are away from God, if you don't know God, that is pretty scary. <laughs> There's no creature hidden from His sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of Him to whom we must give account. Yeah, we are all going to give account, but my family, that's encouraging to you and I as His children. Because none of the stuff that we, that we think here, it, it, it sullies what God can see. All right? He can see you, and He loves you. He believes in you. Hey, by the way, God's not waiting for you to mess up. He's waiting for you to get it right. He actually has an expectation that you're going to get it right. He's not going, yeah, we'll see about this time. I heard you. Yeah, I know. I know. How many times have you said you're sorry for that sin? Okay, well, we'll see if it sticks this time. See, we think of God like us, maybe a little bit better. He's so much, he's so far beyond us. Right? His thoughts are not our thoughts, his ways are not our ways. And we thank God for that. His thoughts are higher thoughts. He thinks higher thoughts of you. His ways are higher than your ways. All right? He's not thinking that. He's not thinking that at all. And this is this is this is the hope we have. God knows the real you, and that's who he's interested in. Let's look at verse 14. We've got to finish this chapter. Seeing then that we have a great high priest. This is why these scriptures, all this is hopeful. All things are open and naked. Uh, we must give account. Oh, my God, I've got to give account for Seeing then that we have a great high priest. Woo! Why is this important? Well, watch. I'm glad you asked. Who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our what? Oh, 
how important is it? How important is, are these words that are cometh out of our mouths? Hmm? It's important because there's a high priest there that's listening to your words. All right? And here's the thing. Here's the great thing about Jesus. Is that He hears your words and He looks at your heart. And sometimes the words aren't representing what's in the heart very well. But He has a way about Him. Watch, this is so beautiful. Look at this. We do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. In other words, He understands the weakness, the frailty of, of, of being a human. He was one and is one still, and He is also God. He understands that, so he, He's able to look at the heart and hear the words and then, and then speak on your behalf from what he sees there. He's able to take your imperfect expression and express it to the Father the right way. Oh, this is so good. The high priest speaks on your behalf. The high priest is there on your behalf. And he's looking at that perfect heart with those imperfect words. And then he says, Father, this is what they're saying. This is what she's saying. This is what he's saying. Oh, this is so good. It's the Word of God that's discerning it, right? What is Jesus? The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. He is the one that's able to discern the heart and help you and speak on your behalf. And I promise you, Jesus can talk to God better than you can. <laughs> it's good that we have Him representing us. Don't forget, He's there for you. He's there for you. He's there on your side pleading your cause, pleading your case. His blood speaks better things than that of Abel. Let us, see, this is it, verse 16, let us therefore, let us therefore come how? I love that you did that song tonight. Let us therefore come how? Boldly. Did you see that? It didn't say let us therefore come with the right words. You better come practiced up. You better be able to say the right thing because the high priest before, if he didn't come perfect, in the Holy of Holies, he dropped dead. I mean, everything had to be exactly right. But now that we've got Jesus, the perfected one there, we can come boldly because we know he's speaking on our behalf. And he's able to, <laughs> hallelujah, because he sees the heart, and so he speaks on our heart's behalf. Therefore, let us come boldly to the throne, whoa, to the throne of what? Grace, to the throne of grace, to the throne of God's unmerited favor, to the throne of God's blessing, to the throne of God's unyielding giving. This is the place He wants us to come to. We come boldly to this place that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. This is beautiful. Because I, you know, I don't know. I hear, I hear other people say stuff like this when they're messing, you know, they mess up, and I hear them say, take it to the cross! Take it to the cross! you got to crucify that flesh. Take it to the cross. Uh-uh. I'm taking it to the throne. He took it to the cross. I don't have to go there. I'm going to the throne. He already went there for me. And I ain't crucifying my flesh. Paul said, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. I'm not, I'm not dying to the flesh daily. I'm already dead. I'm living like a dead man right now. Because if I'm having to 
focus on dying to my flesh, then that's all I'm going to be thinking about is flesh, 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 flesh. But I ought to consider myself alive in the spirit and dead to the flesh. Because when he died, so did I. And when he rose from the dead, so did I. Hallelujah. The life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not frustrate the grace of God. For if righteousness comes by the works of the law, then Christ died in vain. I hope this is helping you tonight. I'm preaching myself happy. Amen. We come boldly before the throne of us. Yeah, but pastor, I sinned. Go boldly! Don't let that stop you. It's that moment that you need to come even more boldly, daring boldly, because God sees the heart. And the Scripture says that even if we do sin, hey, Paul, John said, I write these things so you don't sin, but if we do sin, I thank God for that verse, huh? But if we do sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He's there talking on our behalf. That's not them. They're the righteousness of God in me. Huh? So that you don't identify with that. you got to see yourself as he sees you. Let the word of God establish your identity in your life. Remember, it's the, hey, the mirror don't lie, does it? Don't you wish it would lie sometimes? You get up and go, oh my God, I still look like that. Right? It's just, it's just, it just oh, HD to the max, right? I mean, like every flaw, every wrinkle. Can we put that Hollywood film on there, that, that fog or whatever they do to make people look pretty? Photoshop, whatever, yeah. It's not there. The mirror doesn't lie. And the Scripture says that the Word of God is a mirror. And that's where we see who we really are. Amen. And though, you're, though you and your actions and your circumstances, all those things might look contrary to that, my family, you've got to keep being diligent to enter that rest. Get his word in your mouth. Confess. Your confession of your life is how you stay in that rest. What's your confessing? What are you confessing? I'm confessing what God has said. I'm confessing I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. I'm confessing that I am healed by his stripes. I'm not striving and straining for the favor of God. I'm coming boldly to a place called the throne of grace. I constantly live in his favor and blessing. Not because of what I do, but because that's what he wants to do for me. Amen. Well, that was fun. I want to finish with this last scripture. Same, same scripture, just amplified version. You just got to hear these last few verses, last three verses. Let's go ahead and stand together as I read it. Amplified version, Hebrews 4, 14 through 16. Inasmuch then, as we have a great high priest who has already ascended and passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession of faith in Him. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to understand and sympathize and have a shared feeling with our weaknesses and infirmities and liability to the assaults of temptation, but one who has been tempted in every aspect, every respect as we are, yet without sin. Let us then fearlessly and confidently and boldly draw near to the throne of grace, the throne of God's unmerited favor to us sinners, that we may receive mercy for our failures and find grace to help in good time for every need, appropriate help and well-timed help coming just when we need it. Let's lift our hands to God. Father, thank you for your word. Your word is alive. 
Your word is alive in our hearts. Paul said it like this. The word of faith is near you. It's even in your heart and in your mouth. Believe it and declare it. Believe it and declare it. Don't let your circumstances dictate what comes out of your mouth. You let the word of God dictate that. You say what he has said until you experience and live in the reality of that truth. Thank you, Lord, tonight that we have a place called grace, the throne of grace that we come to boldly, even in our weakness, even in our failures, even in our sin, because Jesus Christ, the righteous, is seated at your right hand. Hallelujah. We thank you that you're looking at our hearts tonight. Lord, our hearts long to serve you. Our hearts long to please you and to bless you, Lord. And there are things that we've got to work through, uh, uh, wrong thinking patterns, Lord. And we have this flesh to bring into subjection. But, Lord, you know who we really are. You know what our hearts are crying out for. So, Father God, we want to live in, in the reality of the Spirit life, the Spirit-led life. Help us, Father God, not to get caught up in these other things, God, but to, but to continually confess who we are in Christ Jesus so that the mind will change, that the body's actions will change, that our words will change, and ultimately our lives will change. Thank you, Lord, that you're a very present help. You do not condemn. You do not shame us into doing right. You do not guilt us into doing right. Oh, God, you're so much greater than that. You have graced us. Your grace teaches us to rise above. Your grace teaches us to remember who we are. Remember that we are the redeemed of God. We are, we are children of Almighty God. We are sons of God through faith in Jesus Christ. We are the church of the living God. We are the body of Christ in the earth. Oh, God, that we would get our minds and hearts and lives and mouths full of that truth. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, that we are found in Him, hidden in Christ. Thank you for that great mystery that your Apostle Paul revealed to us, that one that was locked up through the ages and then revealed that is Christ in us, the hope of glory. Thank you, Lord. All condemnation, all guilt, all striving and straining, washed away by the very peace of Almighty God. And I pray tonight, Lord, as the Apostle Paul prayed for, for those many churches in the beginning, that grace and peace would be upon your people from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. It would be abundant to them. I thank you, Father God, that it's abundant to them and it spills over out of their lives onto others, Lord. That where they go, they are lights. Where they go, Lord, they are your word. You, they are your letter, God, to this world. They are the salt of the earth, God, the cream of the crop. Thank you, Father God, that you bless their way and you make their way prosperous so that they have good success. All of their children shall be taught of the Lord and great shall be their peace. Thank you that they will both lie down in peace and sleep for you alone, O Lord. Make them dwell in safety. And even as David said, when I arise, you are there with me. I thank you that you are with them, Lord. A very present help in time of need. Thank you, Lord, that we can always, always, no matter when, no matter what situation, no matter how, always run boldly, come boldly to this throne of grace. And you're there to bring help. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.